Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Okay, today we're talking about prayer. And prayer's a great thing to talk about. Uh, I heard a joke this week about a plane that was, that was crashing and a pilot walking down the aisle and he's shouting out, does anybody here believe in the power of prayer? And of course, there was a minister on the plane and the minister, well, actually, I better put my hand yeah, put his hand up and said, yeah, I believe in the power of prayer. And the pilot says, that's great. We were one parachute short. <laughs> yeah, it took a while, but they got it. I bet those guys have got it at home faster than you did. Um, Okay, yeah, I believe in the power of prayer. This morning, uh, my 17-year-old son, he, he turned 17 a couple of months ago and he started driving lessons and he drove me here for the first time this morning. Uh, no, he's a great driver. Those handbrake turns were amazing. Uh, I wonder if you remember your very first prayer. As a child, I know we kind of, as children, we, we pray and we're taught to pray. Often it's, it's kind of a little bit of a recital. We, we have uh, prayers that we say, I don't know, when we go to bed at night or when we're saying grace before dinner, you know, as a, as a, a standard prayer that we might pray. Um, or maybe we just, as children, we, we, we're really taught to pray for things that we want or things that we need. You know, or you know, say, oh, you know, I want, I want a new bike, or I want this, I want that. Oh, why don't you pray about it? That's what we say to our kids. Uh, um, kind of get, taking the responsibility off us, really. Um, but you know, as children, we're taught to pray about the things that we need, right? And um, and obviously through life, maybe that carries on, and and prayer, maybe prayer for you just becomes things about you know, to asking God for stuff. I was, uh, we were in our family prayer time a couple of weeks ago and we, every morning we, we get together as a family and, and we uh, kind of have a scripture and we, we, we pray together and Grace said, I don't know what to pray for. So I said to her, Grace, well, what is, Grace is my second elder, she's nine. I said, Grace, what is prayer? And she says, well, it's asking God for stuff. I said, well, okay, well, you know, that's, that's a that's a good answer. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not quite right. Uh, maybe that's part of what prayer is. We're going to look at this today. And I've had a real revelation looking at this over the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing the message for today. Actually, it's transformed my prayer life completely. Just getting into what Jesus says about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going to be, that's what we're going to be doing. I wonder if you've ever prayed and made a bargain with God. When you're in a tight spot, you find yourself at the end of your and you say, God, if you just get me out of this, I will give you my whole life forever. You know, you, know, you get to that point where you're so desperate and you start to make deals with God. If you do this, God, for me, I, I will do this for you. Like he could really do with that. There's a, there's a film, I was telling the first service, a film uh, called The End. It's not a very well-known film. It stars Burt Reynolds. It's a bit of a dark comedy. And Burt Reynolds, he's a character who's trying to end his life. And he gets towards the end of the film and he finds himself in the middle of the ocean, miles from shore, without a life vest or without a boat. He's there swimming and he can't swim very well. And he changes his mind. He decides that he wants to live. Okay, but now it obviously looks like a dangerous situation. He thinks he's going to die. And he starts swimming towards the land. But he's miles away and so he starts to pray. And for about five minutes, the whole of the, this 
monologue. He's kind of, we hear it in his head, but he's making this prayer to God. God, if you, if you save me, if you get me out of this situation, I'll be a better person. I'll be a better father. I'll be a better everything. God, if you save me, I'll be nicer to my parents. I'll invite them to lunch. God, if you save me, I will, I will obey all the Ten Commandments. I won't murder anyone. I won't, I won't commit adultery. Actually, God, first of all, I'll learn the Ten Commandments and then I'll obey the Ten Commandments. And he goes on, like, he goes on and on and on like this. He said, God, if, I, if you save me, if you get me to the shore, I will give you 50% of everything that I earn. And that's gross, God. And nobody gives gross. And that's what I'm going to do, God. You can count on me. Just get me. Just save me. And then he gets closer to shore and he's like 100 yards from shore. And he goes, I think I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. God, I'm going to make it, God. And so as soon as I get to shore, I'm going to start giving you that 10% right away. <laughs> and, and then he starts doing these little retractions of, of, of all the prayers that he's made and, and watering it down a little bit. Maybe you've been there. Maybe I've been there. When you, you ask God for something, you make a bargain, but then actually you backtrack a little bit. Oh, God, I didn't really mean that much. Um, as you get older, maybe the things that you ask for become a little bit more important. Maybe the things that you want become more important. Often we're praying for against sickness, aren't we? We, pray, we know people who are sick, you know, a cancer or a relative or a loved one who's really poorly. And so we bring it to God in prayer. And we know we've had so many answers to prayer in this place that God heals. We really believe it because we've seen it. But sometimes the answer doesn't work out the way we think it's going to work out. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And what do we do in that instant? Do we start blaming God? Do we say, oh, well, prayer doesn't work then because I didn't get what I thought I was going to get? It's difficult. There's tension in praying. And we know there's a range of prayers and and you're praying for all these deep things and somebody else you know is praying for a sunny day or praying that their dress will fit next week at the wedding and and they go, hooray, it worked, my prayer worked, the dress fit, it was a sunny day. And you go, well, that's fantastic. But God, if you could direct a little bit more of your energy to the cancer thing or to the, the job thing, please. And there's a tension when we start talking about prayer. And we're going to explore that tension a little bit today. Maybe you haven't had an answer to prayer and somebody said to you, well, it's because you haven't got enough faith. Your faith isn't big enough. Well, let me just pop that bubble right there. Jesus actually already popped that bubble. What Jesus said was, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will do it. He said, nothing will be impossible for you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So don't worry about the size of your faith. Your faith will grow. It'll grow naturally as you see answers to prayer. But that's not it. That's not the thing. It's not, it's not why you don't see answers to prayer, I don't think. Okay? So, so why not? What do we do when we pray? Last week, um, Graham took us on a brilliant journey to being a secret service agent. I don't have a t-shirt like he did. Um, Talking about doing our acts of service in secret so that we get our reward from God and not from men. It was a brilliant, brilliant talk and I watched it online. I was away last Sunday and I I got there. It was was fantastic. Um, But And then prayer, uh, sorry, then Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's just said this and and he's turned his attention to prayer. Jesus feels like it's actually an important enough topic 
that in this uh, kind of amazing sermon that he gives, he feels like actually this warrants some time given to talking about prayer. And obviously we think we know what prayer is, but what if, what if all that stuff that we ask for and all that stuff that we think prayer is, maybe that's not even the point of prayer. What if, what if we have our thinking challenged today about what prayer is, what it should be, what God intended prayer to look like, and what he intended prayer to do in us? What if we spend our whole life thinking about and praying for the wants and needs that we have and actually missing what prayer is about? Maybe you think, you're sitting there thinking, you don't need to teach me about prayer. I've been praying for my whole life. And I would say to you, you're wrong. You're wrong. We do need to know about prayer. Because actually when Jesus' disciples, who had also been praying all their life, you better believe that, you know, the, the Jews were great at praying, when they said to him, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Jesus didn't turn around and say, oh, don't worry about it. It's just talking to God, really. It's having a chat with God. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Just, just say whatever comes into your head, and it'll be fine. That's not what Jesus said, is it? They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, all right, I will. I've been looking at what you're doing. I've been seeing how you pray. And actually, there's a few things that we can do differently. And so Jesus taught his disciples quite practically how to pray. And we're going to look at that uh, today. So I've called my message today, Our Father, Hello. I've taken a little bit of a license with the word hello. Obviously, not, we don't normally spell hello like that, but I was quite happy with that title. I thought that's quite nice. And we're going to come to God and say, Hello. And be real. And just be us. And that's what it's about. So, Jesus prayed so much. It tells us throughout the Gospels that he said Jesus went off into the wilderness or up to a mountain and spent a night in prayer. He did this a lot. And his disciples, they saw that. Um, they saw him going off, but they actually didn't see him pray very much, which is why they asked him. Jesus wasn't all about these big, grand, expressive prayers. And we know there are people who just are fantastic at praying, aren't they? And we hear them, and, you, and we hear people praying. They've got the right voice for it. They've got that big, deep, bassy voice, even the women. No, and uh, not really. And, you know, it just sounds like they are oozing power with every syllable because they've got the right words and the right scriptures and they, and, they, and, they, and they make it sound so good and you're there going, oh, I wish I could pray like that. But actually Jesus would say, actually, it's not about that. Jesus doesn't look down from heaven and say, just hold everything, guys. George is about to pray. Everybody listening to this, this is going to be amazing because he, really, he really knows what words to put together. Okay, that's not what, that's not what uh, prayer is about. So what we're going to look at, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5. First of all, Jesus starts by saying how they shouldn't pray. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. So here we are. First, what you don't do. It's not about standing in church and on street corners. It's not about being in groups where you're showing everybody what a great prayer you are. Prayer is not about you appearing holy or hyper-religious because you've just got the right words to, uh, to say. 
And what Jesus is saying is that those kind of religious people who do this, they have received their reward in full already. And what is their reward? Well, they get to appear righteous and holy and religious and all that. That's their reward. People will think they're a great prayer. And if you're somebody who wants to be known by everybody else as a great prayer, then that's the, that's the way you should go. But if you're looking for an answer or a reward from your Father in heaven, then maybe we need to do something differently. Maybe you need to approach prayer slightly different. Are those people going to get an answer, a reward from God? No. It says they've had their reward in full. But if you want your reward from your Father who sees what he's done in secret, then keep it between you and God. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. Well, can't I pray anywhere? Do I really have to go into a, into a room with the door closed? I'm going to say, yeah, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in your car. You can pray on the street. You can pray in your lunch break. I can't have all that's good. But I think the point that Jesus is making here is you've got to keep it between you and God. You've got to make sure that your thinking is fully on God and not on whoever or whatever is around you. So that's why he said, go into a room and close the door. Be by yourself. God wants just you and him. He wants to spend time with just you. And we know that Jesus went into the wilderness to do this. He went up a mountain. And then he says, your father will reward you. No one else will know. No one will think what a great prayer you are. Maybe they'll think you don't even pray. doesn't matter. Because you don't want your reward from them. You want your reward from your father who sees what is done in secret. And what happens? What is the, what is the reward then? If you pray like this, what is the reward? Is it, is, does it mean that, okay, well, the reward is I'll get everything that I ask for. Actually, it's not that. The reward is that your relationship with God will deepen. Your understanding of God will become clearer. And, and what happens is as you do it over, over, over time, your heart becomes in sync with God's heart. And your desires fall into sync with God's desires. And you'll find that then the things that you're praying for, you're already praying for the things that God is ready to answer because you're, you're, you're of the same mind. The Spirit in you is in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're moving forward with God. That's the reward. And it's brilliant. Okay, next verse. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need, even before you ask him. So it's not about the amount of words we use. It's not about the length of prayer. Jesus is kind of putting to pay to that right here. It's not about a, a special secret um, magic combination of verbs and adjectives and nouns that if you say them in the exact order will unlock the reward from God. You did it. You said it. Just keep saying it like that and you'll get what you want. Okay, it's not that. It's not about, it's not about babbling and you know, the many words. It's not about that. It's not about cleverness. I've got to tell you, I'm, myself, I'm not a great prayer. I get really distracted very easily when I'm, when I'm praying or in a prayer meeting my mind kind of wanders off. Maybe you're, you're the same and you look around and you start to see, oh, I really need to do that. And you say, oh, no, I've got to keep focused. And I keep having to, I have to train myself to be disciplined to keep my focus on God because my mind wanders. That's why it's good to be in a room with the door closed, particularly when you've got six children. <laughs> okay? it's, yeah, it's easy to get distracted. Um, and, and Jesus is saying, just me and you. God is saying, just me and you together. Come and know my heart and be real. 
Be authentic. Be honest with me. Um, I don't think praying in a group is wrong. It's not. It's absolutely not. Prayer meetings are brilliant. Uh, and we're going to explore that a little, bit to- a little bit later. But I think Jesus is saying there are potential pitfalls when you're praying with other people that you just need to, be, you need to watch out for. Whenever I'm praying in a group, um, it's probably not you, it probably is just me, but I find myself rehearsing what I'm going to pray. I find myself thinking, oh, if I say that phrase or put in that little scripture there, actually that will sound quite good. Kind of missing the point of the relationship with the Father. That's a potential pitfall. And so I have to, again, be disciplined about it. Because prayer, kind of at its essence, is prayer is getting to know God. Getting to know God as he reveals himself to you. And that's where he'll do it in prayer. But he'll also help you to know yourself. So prayer is getting to know God, but it's also getting to know you as he reveals you to yourself. He knows you better than anyone. And he will, he will show you yourself. And you'll come away from prayer, not just knowing God better, but knowing yourself better. Jesus did pray publicly. He made there a few uh, times in Scripture. Um, obviously, when he blessed the food for the 5,000, he, he gave thanks. He said Jesus gave thanks. But also, when he came to uh, raise Lazarus from the dead, I'm sure most of us know the story. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and Jesus uh, comes up. And before he's just about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but before he does, he makes one of his few public prayers. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So there's benefit to praying together in a group, and the benefit is we all get built up. We all, our faith increases. As we see answers to prayer together, we get built up. Our faith does grow, and our understanding of God grows, and our love and understanding of each other grows as we see what's on other people's hearts and what's going on in other people's lives. It's an important part of it, but it's not the only thing. If the only time you pray is in a group setting, in a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, that's not a bad thing, but actually there's more. And God's got more for you. And, and taking what Jesus says to you right now will revolutionize your life. Okay, so he also says, God, the Father, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So why then am I praying? If God already knows what I need before I open my mouth, when I get into that room and I close the door behind me, what am I going to say? If he's saying he already knows, what am I going to talk to him about? Well, Jesus will give us an answer to that. What are the generally other things that we pray about? We pray about the things that are important to us in life, don't we? We pray about our careers and our family. We pray about our finances. We pray about our health. We pray about our ministry. We pray about all sorts of kind of personal things. We talk about our life's purpose and our mission. We pray about our, our house or our car, that our car will start, or, or the clothes that we wear. We, we pray all these things because they are important to us in our life. But actually, we need to have an understanding that they are not the most important thing. The most important thing, if we are a follower of Jesus, the most important thing to us should be our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus. And that's really where prayer comes in. What did Jesus say? He said, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And all those other things, 
your finances, your career, your family, your health, your ministry, all those other things, God will deal with that. But seek first his kingdom. And I think this is what prayer actually is. It's us seeking first his kingdom. So Jesus then reveals to us, he reveals to his disciples how to pray. And it's a, pray, a prayer that we all know really well. I'm sure we all learnt it in some, in some respect, in some version. Um, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I'm sure we all know it. Maybe you know our Father, which art in heaven, you know, the whole King James Version with the thous and the thys and all that. Uh, that's all right. That's, that's fine. It's not bad. It's, not, it's just a slightly different translation. Um, but can I say, it's not a formula prayer. It's not if you say these words in this particular order, then that's how you should do it. Okay? It's not about that. Uh, and the reason I know that is because at another point where the disciples, it says Jesus was in a certain place and his disciples came to him and asked him how to pray, he again gave this same prayer but with slightly different wording. He left the, some bits out, he changed some words. So it's not about the exact words. And the trouble is when we learn prayers as a, as a recital, it can lose their power. We start to forget what we're saying. And we can just, ah, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You, know, you just start to recite the words without thinking about what they're meaning. And I think the point of Jesus telling them this prayer is actually there's a pattern to it. And what I want us to do is just to have a look at, at what the pattern is. And maybe we can then approach prayer with the, same, with the same pattern. So first of all then, what do we do? Our Father, hallowed be your name. I've written there, we start with God. We start with God's godness. Okay, I don't know if that's a word, but we start, we start off not with ourselves, not with what we need, not with where we're at, but we just start with who he is. And we should spend a good amount of time thinking about and declaring who he is. This is a great way of, of praying. God, you are amazing. God, I'm going to declare your greatness forever. God, you are my refuge. You are my shelter in the storm. God, you are my shield. You are my fortress. God, you've never let me down. God, you are faithful. What a great way to start the prayer. As we elevate, as we start to say who he is, as we spend time acknowledging his godness, when we leave, we'll have far more confidence in who we are and his hand in our life when we do that. So maybe you could start off, if you don't actually know what words to say, start off with the Psalms. They're a great way. David was a man who knew how to declare who God was. He was great at this. So start with Psalms. Uh, Psalm 8, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. Psalm 101, I will sing of your love and justice. Praise the Lord, my soul, in all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Start with the Psalms. Maybe you are going to sing. Why not? You can, when you pray, did you know you can sing as well? You can sing worship. And the great thing is, you're in a room with a door closed, so no one can hear you. Okay? Uh, it's just between you and God. And sometimes it's finding that, that, that scripture or that song, that praise song, that worship song, and it will just bring you into his presence. 
So start with God, declaring who he is. There's a great theologian, a guy called Derek Prince, um, and actually his grandson was playing bass today. Uh, But Derek Prince uh, wrote some fantastic books and has some great thoughts about who God was. He made a statement in one of his books. I've said it before, uh, but he says, if I've got 10 minutes to pray, he said, I'm going to spend the first eight minutes in worship. And you know what? Because then the, the other two minutes will just come together. Okay, all the stuff that I'm going to ask him, if I spend the first eight minutes in worship, that's a good model right there. The longer you stay in that first bit, the more effect it's going to have on the rest. So the second thing we do, so we start with with God. The second thing we do is we're going to stay with God, but we're now going to bring us into the equation a little bit. So we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So now we're going to surrender our will. We're going to say, God, I want your will before my will. God, I want your agenda before my agenda. God, I want your kingdom uh, to trump my kingdom. This is what Jesus himself said in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if it's possible, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Putting your will first, uh, God. That was Jesus' model. And actually, I heard somebody talking about where it says on earth as in heaven. And they were saying, actually, the translation there where it says on earth can actually be translated in earth. In earth as in heaven. And what it could be referring to is us. We're made of, we're made of earth. We're made of dust. And so, you know, and I think actually, it's, it, whether it's, you know, whatever translation you use, that's quite a good thought to have, God, in me. Your will be done in this earth, in me. Just like in heaven, God, as well as in the earth around me, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, in, as it is in heaven. And maybe there are things in your life that you're struggling to surrender your will about. There are certain things that maybe it's easy, but maybe there are other things that you're struggling to surrender your will in. That's okay. Just be honest with God. Say, God, this is difficult for me. This is difficult. This, this particular area is difficult for me. But my starting point is, I want to want your will. I want to want your will. And God will say, fantastic. Come on. Let's talk about this. Just be, let's be together. And you know, it, maybe we won't get to the end of this today, but we'll come back tomorrow in this same room and we'll do it again and we'll keep going. And gradually your heart will start to beat in sync with God's heart. That's the second thing, surrendering our will. The third thing we're going to do is we're going to show our dependency on him. So we say, give us today our daily bread. Now, I think this actually references uh, kind of historical imagery for, these, uh, for, the, for the disciples. They knew all about the Israelites in the wilderness who came into the wilderness out of slavery, out of Egypt, and then they had nothing. And God provided for them. He provided Manna, he provided that, that kind of bread-like substance daily, but only daily. He didn't provide them for a whole week. He said, okay, the, in the morning, there's your manna, except for the Sabbath. I know he gave them for two days. But, you know, here's your, what you need for today. And then he brings this into the prayer. And he gives us permission to ask God for what we need daily. God, give me today what I need to get through today. Help me, you know, and we show our dependence. Whether we've got a lot or whether we've got a little, it makes no difference to our dependence on Him. 
Okay, if you're, if you're rolling in it, if you're a millionaire, it makes no difference. Our dependence on him should be just as, as big. It should be just as evident. Okay, whether we have a lot or a little, we say, God, give me today what I need. Give us today our daily bread. And it's not just about material things because the rest of the prayer goes on, doesn't it? Uh, uh, God, you know, you are the provider of what I need, but you're also the provider of the forgiveness for my sins. You're also the provider of my protection against temptation. You're also the provider of my deliverance of evil. God, you're going to deliver me because you're my provider and I need you. I need you. I'm not going to get through today without you and without who you are. He's our sustainer. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's our savior. And we come to him daily. And then the fourth thing we do is we change. We submit to change. Because there's no point coming to God. There's no point coming to God and, and having this great relationship and this, you know, getting all these things revealed in us. Those areas that we know actually have got to bend our will to, to Him without actually making a commitment to being different. Okay, the point of prayer is not just to have a conversation with God. It's to come away knowing God better, knowing ourselves better because we're in him and knowing that we are committed to being better because he's going he's gonna to change us. And when we come to God and we allow the Holy Spirit, you know, what's the prayer? Forgive our sins as, as we forgive those who sin against us. It takes us, there's an action in there that we have to do. It's not all about God. It's about us committing to a course of action. So we allow the Holy Spirit to show us, to shine a light on those areas in us that need attention. And sometimes that might lead to a sorry. Sometimes it might lead for us to say, God, I'm so sorry. I've been going down this path and I know I need to turn around and go in the other direction, which is what repentance is, changing direction, going down in the other direction. This might say, sorry God, I'm committed to be different. Sometimes it leads to that. Some, it always should lead to a commitment to doing things differently, to heading in a God direction. Band, would you mind coming up? We're going to sing that song in just a moment again. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. This prayer, our Father in heaven, it's a Essentially a 20-second prayer. Okay? I think actually it's not about, obviously it's not about the length, but I think actually our lives will be better for doing this, for making, maybe making a change to our prayer life and creating some intimacy between us and God. So what's the take-home today? I think probably you already know exactly what the take-home is. You already know. Maybe either today or tomorrow you can find some time get alone with God and start to find this pattern that Jesus gave us. Say, our Father, hello, it's me. Sorry I haven't been here for a while. I'm going to do things differently. I want to do things your way. I want your will, not my will. Give God you. Give him all of you. Every area. And I think actually not just your prayer life will be transformed. I think your, your whole life will be transformed. 
Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this song.